Ephesians chapter 6 this morning, beginning in verse 1, and I'll read through verse 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. You'll remember what we're doing. Last week we started, uh, we've taken a step away from John's gospel and we've begun to explore uh, John, or, or the statement that Jesus made in John's gospel in chapter 8, verse 12, when he said, I am the light of the world. Now, there are a lot of implications for that statement that Jesus makes in chapter 8, verse 12 in John's gospel. Um, but uh, as followers of Jesus, we want to be walking as Jesus walked. Uh, and there's no area of life that Jesus's lordship doesn't touch. There's nowhere that you can go in your life, nothing that you can do, no action that you can take, no thought that you can have that shouldn't be accompanied by the question, how does King Jesus instruct me to live, act, speak here in this instance? That, uh, so this is what we're doing. Uh, we, we, we started last week, and this week and next week we'll continue this. We're exploring what Jesus says about our relationships within the nuclear family. We're exploring what Jesus says about our relationships within the nuclear family. Last week, it was husbands and wives. Um, this week, it's children. And next week, it will, be, it will be parents. The relationship between husband and wives, um, the, that relationship that we explored last week in verses 22 through 33 in Ephesians chapter 5, um, one of the fruits of that relationship, one of the fruits of the relationship between husbands and wives in Christian marriage is children. But note that Paul goes here, so the relationship, the, uh, the relationship between children and parents here, Paul begins with children. That, I, that's interesting, and I think we'll, we'll, we'll find out some reasons why in a moment. Uh, first, in verses 1 through 3, he addresses children. That's where we're going to focus our attention this morning. And remember what in our family relationships, and when they're lived in light of God's word, we reflect Jesus. That's the purpose of thinking about these things. Thinking about the relationships that we have within our nuclear family. Because when we live uh, our relationships in our nuclear family according to God's word, we reflect Jesus to the world at large. We reflect uh, Jesus to those who don't know him. Um, Oftentimes, and especially in this area, um, Christian marriages, Christian homes look a lot just just look a lot like worldly homes, um, and don't necessarily apply or think through the instructions given to us by Jesus in uh, throughout all of Scripture, and really summarized here in Ephesians five twenty two through six four. So here, um, when we think about children, the instruction given to children here is a uh, universal instruction. And here's, here's what I mean by this. That, that you may or may not at some point in your life be married. You may or may not at some point in your life have children or be a parent. But everyone in this room, uh, with, in, everyone in this room came from a biological father and a biological mother. Unless you were orphaned at a very young age, you know who those people were. Um, at least one of your parents in, in many instances. But everyone in this room is a child. No one here just popped out of nowhere and started living their lives. You all were children 
um, and we all have parents. That doesn't mean, what that doesn't mean is that this section to married people that comes before and the section that comes to parents that comes after aren't applicable to everyone. They in fact are because they're all grounded in gospel truth. Husbands, lay down your wives or lives for your wife. Um, and, um, and when we get to fathers, uh, the reflection of heavenly fathers or parents, the, our heavenly father uh, is on display in our parenting. So no matter what, no matter what, we all uh, benefit from what Paul writes here um, through the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 6, 4. But here, we actually have a, com- a command that is applicable to every single person because everyone has, everyone has parents. We can all apply what Paul writes here, and we can reflect Christ as a child, as someone who has parents. Whether you're 7 or 70 this morning, you can reflect Christ by uh, thinking about and applying the words here that, that are written in Ephesians 6, 1-3. So there's several things that I want you to see in this text this morning, but before we jump in, I'm going to kind of go to the end and give you an application uh, right out of the gate, because I think that this is the way in which we, as followers of Jesus, as, uh, as the church, can immediately reflect Jesus as the light of the world in our relationships to our earthly parents. And the way that we can do that is uh, just by giving thought and energy to it just by giving thought and energy to how, as children, we relate to our earthly parents. I don't think that the world spends very much time thinking about this. Now, you can go online and Google uh, marriages, and even uh, even the world has a lot of marital advice for people. Or you can go online and Google parenting, and you can find that the world even offers a lot of parenting advice. But there's a whole lot less material devoted to or given thought to um, being a child, especially when we get into our adult years, uh, being a child and how we should relate to our parents uh, after we're no longer a dependent. And because the internet is what it is, um, a lot of those things can be extraordinarily negative. Um, And so uh, what I want to suggest to us that if we're a community of faith, Uh, If we're a church here in Jamestown, North Dakota in 2022 that devotes thought energy to how we relate to our parents, again, if you're age seven or age 70, um, then we can uh, reflect Jesus more uh, more readily to the world around us. How to have healthy relationships with your parents. That's what this text is about. And when we have healthy God-honoring relationships with our parents, we reflect Jesus. Jesus as the light of the world. Now, of course, there is never a time in your life where you're not someone's child, uh, not necessarily in an age sense, but in the sense that you have parents. And that means that relationship ebbs and it flows, and it doesn't always look the same. We'd be foolish to say that it looks the same uh, when you're young and when you're old. Um, But in every season in our lives, in the lives of our parents, We should be ready as people to explore biblically how to honor our parents. And we're going to be practical with this, so I I hope to hit on several, well, what about situations as we go through this sermon this morning. Um, But before that, I just want to consider what Paul writes here for us. What Paul writes here in these three verses. 
And the first thing that I want you to see this morning in, in, in this passage is uh, when Paul addresses children, you see it, children, then there are two command words given in, this, in these three verses. Two command words given. Um, these are called imperatives in the text. An imperative is a command word. The first is obey, and the second is honor. Now, very quickly, I want to explore the relationship between children and parents obeying and, and honoring. In verse 1, children, obey your parents. And then verse 2 is Paul just quoting. He's quoting the Old Testament. He's quoting actually the Ten Commandments. This is the fifth commandment in the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother. And you'll find those, uh, it's actually recorded two times in the Old Testament. The full text of the fifth commandment in Exodus 20, 12 says this. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Um, You'll see that Paul quotes that second part in verse 3, right? He says that it may go well with you in the land, uh, that that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. But then the command is also reiterated in Deuteronomy 5.16. And this is probably exactly what, the words are exactly what Paul quotes here. It's a little bit longer in Deuteronomy 5.16. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Um, again, there's, the, there's that extra phrase there, that it may go well with you, that Paul picks up on here in Ephesians 6, verse uh, 3. So the verbs that Paul uses, one he pulls from the Old Testament in the, in the Ten Commandments, and the other he, uh, he, he says specifically in verse 1, obey. Obey and honor, obey and honor. Each of these commands, though, has a unique dynamic. Each of these commands has a unique dynamic because there are temporal um, situations for both of these, each of these. Like, how long does my obeying extend and how long does my honoring extend? That's, that's the question that we should be asking. So consider first the command, obey your parents. Kids, there's a lot of kids in here. Uh, yeah, I saw all your eyes come up. Yeah, that's great. Okay, kids, um, uh, your job, if you live at home with your parents, um, then uh, your, your parents take care of you. This is for you. This first part of this passage is for you. Uh, children, obey your parents. Um, that's your job. That's your job as kids is to obey your parents. When your dad and mom tell you to do something like eat, eat your veggies or get ready for bed, that's what it means to, to obey your parents. You listen to them and you take quick action and you, um, and you obey with a happy heart, knowing that your parents have your best interest in mind when they give you that command. And not only are you honoring your parents by obeying your parents, you're honoring God. That's how you honor God as a child, as someone, as a dependent, as someone who lives under the roof of your parents. You, uh, you're honoring and obeying God when you obey your parents, like the Apostle Paul writes to you here in verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians. So the obey commandment here is uh, pretty clearly for dependent children, based on the, the, the words that, that Paul is using here. But as we get older, kids, as you get older, that relationship with your parents is going to shift. The relationship between you and your parents is going to change 
from an obedience, uh, an obedience honoring to something that looks quite, quite different. Uh, the roles within your home, when carried out according to God's do- design, yield results. And so parents, uh, we're going to talk to you next week, whether you're a young parent or a parent of adult children, we'll consider many things next week that Paul writes in, about in verse 4. Um, but parents raise their children in a God-honoring way. When parents do this, their children, when they reach adulthood, become less dependent on their parents. They understand what is good and right and honorable in the world because their parents have shown them through clear instruction what those things are. Children, when they uh, become no longer dependent on their parents, um, don't need to be told what to do. The obedience command drifts away and it moves away. It doesn't, not that children don't ask their parents for advice or, uh, uh, or, um, or seek out their opinion in any given situation. It's just that the obedience command begins to drift away as soon as child is no longer dependent. The older you get as a child, the less your parents need to give you commands. And this should be the trajectory of the household anyway. The trajectory of the household should look different for your two-year-old than your 12-year-old. The amount of commands you give to your two-year-old, I guess I'm talking to parents now, I'm sorry, but the amount of commands that you give to your two-year-old should be less than your 12-year-old because you've trained your child between 2 and 12 to understand what is good and right and honorable in the world. And so, when we hear this, if parents offer loving discipleship, discipline and correction and discipleship to their children in the early years, their children will learn obedience and won't need to have their parents command them how to live rightly. And when they've been trained up in the proving ground of their home, when they know what obedience to their heavenly father looks like, because they're watched their parents obey God and desire the same for them. So kids, obey your parents. That, that's what this text is about. Uh, God is training you in your home to be obedient to your parents, but ultimately to him, to your heavenly father. The second command, though, that comes in verse 2, that again Paul plucks out of the Ten Commandments, is honor. Honor your father and mother. Um, this was given to all of Israel. The Ten Commandments were given to all of the people of Israel. It was given to a society, a group of people, a nation of people. Every man, woman, boy, and girl was to follow God's law. And so when Ephesians, uh, Paul in Ephesians recites this commandment, Paul isn't limiting the conversation anymore to dependent children. He's opening it up to everyone who has parents. Everyone who has parents. Uh, What does it mean to honor your father and mother? And if we're all to honor our parents, then let's consider what the rest of scripture envisions keeping that command looking like. What does it look like for us? So the second thing is, I just want to unpack honor your father and mother. What does that mean? What does it mean to honor or father and mother. And Paul, again, gave dependent children the way that they ought to do this um, by obeying their parents. Dependent children ought to honor their parents and ultimately honor the Lord by obeying their parents. But children who are no longer dependent on their parents, um, that changes. This relationship changes. The dynamic changes. And 
I'm looking at many of you in this room who are adults who have living parents who, who uh, what does this relationship look like now that I'm no longer dependent on them? The Proverbs are always a really good place to start for practical wisdom, especially when it comes to relationships in the nuclear family. What does it look like for us um, to live according to God's word in these relationships? The Proverbs are chock full of parents to children, children to parents. Um, Really, the Proverbs are wise living in light of the summary of God's law, which is found in the Ten Commandments. If you just begin if you just begin reading in the Proverbs, you'll see that the setting for the Proverbs is a father speaking to his son and training him up in the ways of an understanding of God's law in order to live according to God's word. And so uh, that's where we'll go. If we're asking, well, how can I honor, I'm, I'm in my mid-50s. How can I honor my parents? I'm in my early 20s. How can, and I'm out of the house. How can I how can I honor my parents? How can I fulfill what, uh, what Paul says here? How can I be a light to the world in the way that I relate to my parents as an adult? Listen to the Proverbs. There are several things here. Um, children first, I'm going to give you, I don't know, like five or six of these. Children, just a handful of Proverbs. Children are to learn from their parents. This is, this is a universal thing as well. Your parents have more experience in life, and while you may follow a different path than your parents did, um, you can, at least at some point, find an opportunity to learn in an area from your parents. My father's vocation is a lot different than mine, um, but I can find ways to learn from my dad um, uh, when it comes to vehicles, and when it comes to, uh, my dad was an auto mechanic for several years, and he was a machinist for several years, and he's really good with his hands. And so I can find ways to do that um, and to learn from him, and I've reaped a lot of benefits. Proverbs 1.8 is where this is found. Right away in the book of Proverbs, here, and this, this is a repeated proverb. If you read the Proverbs, you're going to see it all over the place. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. So we honor our parents by putting ourselves in a humble posture, ready to learn from them, from their life experience, and their gained wisdom and knowledge. Will you teach me how to make that bread that you made when I was a kid? I'm not sure what's going on in my car. Do you have any thoughts? I'm struggling to make a decision here. Do you have any insight? We honor our parents by putting ourselves in a posture of learning around them. Second thing, um, right here in the Proverbs, children are to be a joy to their parents. Um, We should not, even as adults, cause our parents to grumble and be frustrated with us. We should be a joy to our parents. A wise son, Proverbs 10, 1, 15, 20, and 23, 25 are reiterations of themselves. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. What, what would it look like for us, even as adult children, to be a joy to our parents today? A phone call checking in, a text message saying, I'm thinking about you, a plan to have coffee if your parents are close to you, um, more frequent visits if your parents are in an assisted care facility, or something of that nature. Children are to be a joy to their parents. Third, 
Children should be in close touch with and pay close attention to their parents. They should be attentive. Children, be attentive to your parent. Our lives get busy, and this is a relationship that often gets tossed by the wayside. Proverbs 23, 22. Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Simply listening to your parents is honoring them. Um, spending time hearing what they have to say. And it, in a society, we can learn a lot here, because in a society that frequently discards the elderly because they don't have any use, we don't have any use for them anymore, or because they frustrate us, because their minds are going, or whatever it may be, um, in a society where we often discard our elderly, Christians stay in close contact with our parents as they approach, as they approach death, or even in their, uh, even in their younger lives. Fourth, children should respect their parents' personal property and not assume what belongs to their parents belongs to them. Uh, now, <laughs> this is uh, the the proverb is uh, Proverbs twenty eight twenty four. Whoever robs his father or his mother says that is no transgression is a companion to a man who destroys. Um, this may be a little bit more niche or a little more specific, but children, adult children, don't just walk into your parents' garage and open up the tool toolbox and pull out a tool and then get a phone call uh, a year later saying, hey, did you take my Sawzall? Like, don't do that. Um, that doesn't belong to you. It's not yours. You don't honor your parents by respecting their personal property. Um, you have a close relationship, and if your dad is like, go in my toolbox and take whatever you want, whenever you want, then, then you have an open channel of communication for doing that. You should still make it known, but don't assume that what belongs to your parents belongs to you. This might actually be more applicable than we realize, if you think about it. Um, sometimes children just, just assume when they walk into their parents' house that they live there and everything that belongs there, even when they're not dependent, that everything that is in that house belongs to them. Parents, if, if you want to raise, we'll talk about this next week, but if you raising your children um, to understand and respect your property is an important thing. Not everything in your household, your child should have access to at any point in time. Um, we'll think about that later. Uh, fifth, children should respect their parents and not mock or scorn them. Um, the eye that mocks a father and scorn and is and scorns uh, the eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by ravens in the valley and eaten by vultures. So, just simply find ways to speak well of your parents. Find ways to speak well of your parents. If you're inclined only to speak of their faults, if you're inclined only to speak of their failures, just bite your tongue. Just stop talking. It's, it's much easier um, and will much, go much better with you if you stop talking in those instances. Now, it doesn't mean that there's, all, there's never an instance where you confront something in your parents, but mocking is taking that conversation and transposing it into another context. It's not honoring to your parents if you're telling others about how much your parents have wronged you all of the time. Um, and, it is not, uh, and it is not kind and compassionate to think about your parents in such a way that only is referring to you um, and your development in light of their faults and failures. Now, I want to say that there are many other practical ways to honor your parents. 
whether you're young or you're old. But again, these biblical examples are a good place to start. Think about the Proverbs further this week and make a plan to apply them in a relationship with your parents. The ones that I named here, they're a good place to start. Um, the next thing that I want to do, though, the next thing I want to see that I want you to see in the text is just what verse 3 said. Um, what verse 3 says, and again, plucked out of uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. Note the promise attached for a people who honors their parents. And again, it's right there in the Ten Commandments, but Paul highlights this as the first commandment with a promise because there's this uh, amendment made to it. Honor your parents that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So when God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments, they were in the wilderness wandering around, right? They had not yet come to the place that God had prepared for them, the promised land. He made a promise to them um, that they would inherit a land flowing with milk and honey, the promised land. And this, was, this land is designed specifically for God's people. Um, in a place where they would flourish and where they would grow and where they would fulfill God's purposes for them as a people, as a group of people, as a nation. And so God gave his law to the people as they were wandering in the wilderness so that the Israelites, so that the, with a primary purpose of the Israelites reflecting who God is to the world at large. The the moral law, the Ten Commandments, which is a summary of the majority of the law, is given to them to set them apart, to make them holy, to make them a people that would show the rest of the world who God is. So, uh, again, the way to flourish, I said this last week, I I, I said it more specifically, but the, the way to flourish as God's people in every way is to live according to God's word. The way to flourish as God's people in every way is to live according to God's word. So when Paul quotes the promise here, the promise that is accompanied or that accompanies um, uh, the fifth commandment, when he makes the promise, we need to be sure that we don't take that individually. Because the context to which this command is given is to a large group of people, a nation, a society, a people that God is designating for his purposes. So if you look at this and you say, this is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land, and you're like, honor my parents, check. And then you say, live long time, check. That's wrong. That's not what this means. Um, What it does mean is speaking to a society, speaking to a nation, speaking to a large group of people, a society where men and women, and we would say in our instance, speaking to the church, that's what Paul is doing here. He's reciting this command to a local church. Um, a society where men and women, this is what we can take away. A society where men and women and boys and girls obey God by honoring their parents is a society with strength in its bones. When the command says that you may live long in the land, It's talking about a society that's built on and living according to God's word. That kind of society is free from calamity. In a society where children honor their parents, individuals don't need to be worried about being ripped out of their beds because of their belief systems and carried off into exile, which is literally what happened to the Israelites for violating God's law, 
God was patient for generation upon generation. And then he allowed them to be ripped out of their beds and carried into exile. And a society where children honor their parents is a society that's primarily gripped by the gospel. And a church that honors their parents, a church, a group of people like us here in this room who take efforts and put time and energy into understanding how we can honor our parents is a church that uh, is gripped by the gospel. Because we see Jesus Christ as the perfect, obedient son to his father who honors his heavenly father in everything. And when a society or a church like us seeks that truth and we seek to walk as Jesus walked in obedience through the strength that he provides, we are gripped by the gospel and we honor our parents. So later in Israel's history, when they ignored God's law and in obedience, they were exiled. In disobedience, they were exiled. They were literally ripped from their beds and carried off. According to Scripture, strong nuclear families where children honor their parents are the foundations of strong, God-honoring societies. We can be a light to the world by honoring our parents in a world that is continually dishonoring parents and dishonoring our elders. This is what this text is saying to us this morning. Now, before we conclude, I want to just cite a few objections that you're probably making in your mind right now. Um, And I just want to flesh them out very carefully. I want to anticipate them. Hopefully I can anticipate these. Um, The first is this. You might be objecting here. You're like, the promise for obedient groups of people, a people, a church set apart, holy, um, where God's word is adhered to and where we then are promised uh, a promised strength and security. That we're promised that we may live long in the land and that it may go well with us. You may be thinking like, uh, it sounds like Paul is saying we earn something from God here. And you're saying like, well, what about grace? What about grace? Um, grace in this instance is learning to be obedient sons and daughters first and foremost, to our Heavenly Father. That's what grace is here in this instance. Grace is recognizing that we are sinful and that we need to be made holy. We need to be made into the likeness of Jesus Christ to be obedient sons and daughters in the same way that Jesus was, to walk like Jesus walked. And we say like, well, I think, I think a misconception among Christians often is that, well, God will bless me. It's either, it's like a coin flip, right? It's like a 50-50. Like God will bless me if I do this thing or if, uh, or if I don't. And it, and it, it has, grace is just thinking that that's, my actions are off over here and then, the, and then God over here flips a coin. It's 50-50 if I get a blessing or not. Not at all how scripture works. Um, grace is given to us by God in order that we might see clearly the person of Jesus Christ, who he is, that he came and made a way for us to get back to God, to have a relationship with him, but then also to recognize that he sets the example for that relationship with God by obeying God at every turn. Do we do that perfectly? No, we still inhabit sinful flesh, but we can learn to and walk in the ways that Jesus walked. We're given the strength and everything that we need in order to do so. So grace is given to us in order to 
accurately and adequately see our sins so that we turn from it, go towards Jesus, trust him for the forgiveness of our sins, be brought into the family of God, and then learn what it looks like to live in the family of God. Grace is given to us to know how to serve Christ the King. And the law, I've said this before, the law is a grace. The law is a grace. Not in that it saves us, not in that we, not in that we earn anything by keeping it, But the law is a grace because it's communicating to us who he is, who God is, and who, what he, uh, and and understanding his holiness. It's communicating to us, it's God communicating to us how to live lives of holiness as he is holy. It's God giving us the information needed to live lives of holiness as he is holy. It's God providing the strength to live lives of holiness as he is holy. That's all grace. It's all grace. And so if, you, if you're here this morning and you're saying like, don't care, none of this matters, then you need grace. You need grace to see that this matters, that God's word matters, and that you should shape and craft and move towards uh, obedience in every area of your life and obedience to Christ the King. So you see, grace is not ignoring sin. If God thought sin to be no big deal, then Jesus would not have needed to die. If God thought sin to be no big deal, no command in the Old Testament or New Testament would ever even be given. But sin is a big deal and it needs to be dealt with. It needs to be dealt with finally on the cross of Christ and then it needs to be dealt with as we move towards receiving the inheritance that comes in him. God doesn't just pick us up out of of the world and move us into the next life. He gives us the grace to be sanctified and to walk as Jesus walked. So, would it be grace for God to to ignore our disobedience as dishonoring children? The answer is no, it wouldn't. The parent who does not offer correction when their child disobeys does not love that child. God loves us and therefore offers us discipline and correction when we stray. And there's a promise attached to that. Uh, Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. God is diligent to discipline us as sons and daughters. And it's grace to be disciplined by the Lord so that we may walk in his ways. And one of the great benefits of being disciplined by the Lord is that we receive assurance that we are in fact his sons and daughters. Um, my children, if I failed to discipline them, would, would uh, grow up and wonder if I loved them. That's what the Proverbs say. Show your children the proper direction. God shows it to us in his word. So the second objection, though, that you may have is, what if my parents were really rotten? <laughs> what if they were sinfully rotten, like abusive, like in physical ways or in emotional or spiritual or Uh, uh, verbal ways. And this is so many times the case in our world, right? Um, And I'm, and this is, there are many in this room who have experienced things with their parents that they wish that they could, that they didn't have to. And again, the Proverbs uh, is is a really good way. So the command doesn't go away here, but we might have to get really creative with our thought, energy, and time and understanding how we can honor our parents who, who have wronged us in many, many ways and have done evil to us. Um, 
Sometimes, again, honoring them is just not saying anything at all. Not continually reciting their faults and failures, but recognizing uh, that, that it is God who will deal with the sin um, in, at the end. So, um, this, uh, uh, this, this is what I want to say to you. Go to the Proverbs, look for uh, creative ways to, uh, to honor your parents, but also consider what Paul writes to the church in Rome in, verses, in verse 17 of chapter 12. He just says, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And then he goes on in verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. These verses may apply to your, to your relationship with your parents. But there's no easy answer here. I'm not saying that like, well, that situation doesn't matter, just honor your parents. What I'm saying is you need to honor your parents and understand how creatively you might do that, even when your parents have done great evil to you. Uh, another objection, just simply, and this is the last one, is what if my parents, uh, or, or both, one of my parents, or both my parents have passed away? And I think that you can continue to honor your parents even if they're gone. You can honor them in the way that you talk about them. And honestly, young, young people in this room, I think we can learn a lot from the older generation in this room. I hear a lot of uh, the older generation speak very well of their parents. Do they think that their parents were perfect? No. Um, but we can, as, as people still honor them, their life and their legacy, be quick to uh, consider and remember and recite the positive contributions the wor- in the world and towards you and be slow to recite faults and failures. Don't be, uh, don't be disingenuous. Don't, be, uh, don't be, be truthful, but also be generous and be gracious. Um, so we've been a, spent a lot of time, in conclusion this morning, we've spent a lot of time being practical. So I just want to highlight a couple of takeaway considerations for you. Um, first, th- this is important. I, I genuinely believe that this command is dramatically important for us as those who are in Christ. Um, because the world is shifting. The world is moving away from a world that honors elders to one that despises them and actively tries to get rid of them even out of our lives. Our world doesn't exactly care much about honoring parents. In fact, secular psychology seems to be, on, uh, seems to be uh, hell-bent on making parents the scapegoat for all sorts of problems that we experience in our lives. And the effect has been to give license to all sorts of dishonoring of parents. And this is the case for Christians too, people who profess Christ. The last couple of decades, there's been a lot of conversation centered around the wounds that parents have inflicted on children. I remember doing a study in a church uh, when I was young um, where the whole study was designed to deconstruct our childhood, pointing off, uh, pointing off into the wrongs our parents had done us. Um, do our earthly parents inflict wounds? Yes, and sometimes deep and devastating and ongoing wounds with ongoing effects. And some of your earthly parents uh, uh, who profess Christ, even they're always poking and prodding and jabbing. And that, that's the reality of the situation. And again, some of our earthly parents were even abusive and cruel. But it's not the endless exploring. Hear me say this. It's not, this is what the world would say, that exploring their faults and failures towards you is going to bring healing. It won't. Friends, it is not the exploring of the faults and failures of our parents that will bring us healing. Rather, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ 
Your heavenly Father sent Jesus, His Son, to die. Perfect obedience by Jesus Christ. He secures you in His perfect love for all of eternity. Your heavenly Father is the perfect parent. He is the perfect parent. And so honor Him with your life in obedience. He gives you what you need to honor Him for eternity. He gives you what you need then even in the most extreme of situations, to honor your earthly parents. And so, just like we saw with God honoring marriages, honoring parents and living as children according to God's word is evangelism. Like We are actually speaking something about who God is and how we relate to and honor our parents. It is part of the church's public witness to the community at large. Would an unbeliever say of us, Your parents have hurt you so much, and yet you don't dishonor them. To which then we can respond, I have a perfect heavenly father. He binds up all the wounds that are inflicted here on earth. I can honor my earthly parents despite the evil that they have done to me. And the world expects us to dishonor our parents. It even encourages it in some instances. But friends, we must honor God in obedience and bear witness to who he is when we honor our earthly parents. The final thing I would say is that we can expect a strong community of faith. We can expect a strong community of faith here at Buffalo City Church and growing strength in our society, in, in, our, in Jamestown, North Dakota, um, when we are marked by honoring our parents. It brings strength to bones. Societies that honor the elderly, that honor their parents, that speak well of them despite their faults and failures, that go out of the way to listen and to be attentive, to visit them often, to give them time and energy, and to give time and energy to how we can honor them. The promise comes from God. There is a blessing here for those who do so. For that, though, we need to also understand the role of parents, and that's what we're going to do next week as we look at verse 4. So let me pray. God, we thank you this morning for your word. God, we praise you that as your people, we can understand and know who you are. And that it is a great grace to us, given uh, given to us by you, in order to see the things that you have done, the commands that you've given, to understand and better know how we might live as sons and daughters. God, may we look to Jesus for the strength to do that. God, may we look to Jesus as the example for that. God, may we not try to this week muster up in our own strength a good plan to to honor our parents better. But may we go to your word. God, may we love Jesus more. God, may we be uh, have our, may the intimacy and the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ more grow more deeply in order that we may be strengthened as your people. God, I pray that we would be marked by marriages that where submission and sacrifice are the steps in the dance. God, and I pray that we would be marked uh, by, uh, by honoring our parents as a community of faith and so reflect Jesus as the light of the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things.